Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, come on, let's give it up for all the dads in the house. How many of you know it's the most incredible thing, but also sometimes the most difficult thing we've ever had to do, and that is to be a dad. And I want to show honor and some love to the dads either in the room or watching online today. And we love you dads. We are so excited to be having Father's Day weekend with you. Man, it's already started out uh, with a lot of fun and I can't wait till our time in this room is even done. We're gonna hang out. We got some root beer for you. We got some competition stuff. It's just gonna be a, a great time to honor and encourage fathers today. And at the very least, I'm gonna get you out of here early, all right? Amen to that, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God, praise God. Man, it's so good to see you guys. Um, and online to you are just as much a part of our church family, so we wanna say welcome to you as well. My, my goal today is to do something that I've never done before, and that is to talk specifically to the dads. Now, this is going to be for everyone in the room, all right, so I don't want you to think this is going to uh, not have any purpose for you whatsoever, but I'm gonna talk specifically to the dads, and the reason why I shy away from talks like this is because I often think, well, who am I? Like, who am I to be, you know, giving advice on how to be a, a good dad when I'm the one that needs to receive? I need to, you know, kind of be learning. It's the same reason I get nervous around marriage series that we do here. Because I'm like, who am I to be talking about how to be a good, you know, husband and have a good marriage when I need counseling and I'm in counseling, just so you guys know that. I'm just throwing that out there. But I want to talk about it not from the perspective that I have it all figured out. And I don't want you to think that. That's not my, my heart at all. But how many of you know sometimes we can learn more and connect more to someone who's actually been in the fight with you, has a little bit of battle scars, who's been, uh, you know, has a little bit of wounds and hurts along the way. And so I want to approach this from, from that side of things. But I want you to know this is for everybody in the room. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, we're going to have the text for you up on the screen as well. But while you're turning there, let me tell you, this is an incredible moment in Scripture where Jesus is getting baptized. The Son of God who came down fully God, fully man, is getting baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. So Jesus literally walks up to John and says, hey, cuz, I need you to baptize me. And John resists, he says, no way, you're the Messiah, you're the, the son of God, I can't do that. And Jesus says, yeah, you need to do it. And so John eventually agrees to it. But there's this incredible moment after he gets baptized where he comes up out of the water that the heavens open up and that the voice of God is audibly heard. And it says God speaks to his son and the, a dove, you know, the Holy Spirit alights on Jesus. And I think this is gonna speak to not just parents in the room, but to every single one of us about how God feels as his father um, about you, as a father about you. So if you're there, here we go. Matthew 3, starting in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and do you come to me? Another place, you know, John says, I'm not fit to tie the sandals of, of Jesus. He just, that's how he saw him. Jesus replied, let it be, so now it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then John consented, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, here it is, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And listen to this, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. God's voice is audibly heard. This is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. God, I pray today that as we open up your word that you would lead us and guide us into all truth and understanding. After all, that's what your Holy Spirit is is for, is to to instruct us, to, to give us wisdom, God, to make the scriptures come alive. And so we know that this day and all, all that we do to gather is really lame unless you do what you do. And that is to show up and speak to our hearts and to our minds. And so would you do that today in Jesus' name? Everybody said, amen. Amen. I was talking with a a, a father-to-be not that long ago. And you can always tell, you know, the fathers-to-be, if they're a first-time dad, maybe you remember, you know, when when you were a first-time dad, if you can think back. But they always have this, this look of terror and fear in their eyes. You know what I'm talking about? And he came to me. And he did that nervous thing. Uh, he, he's asking me, what do I need to do to be a really good dad? And, you know, again, I struggle with that advice, but he did that thing where he kind of, you know, is nervously laughing about it and crying about it. He's like, so Colby, you know, it looks like I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> like, suck it up. Get it together, man. You know, put your big boy pants on and let's go. And he asked me, he said, what do I do to be a really good dad? And I said, you want to be a great dad? He said, yeah. So you want to be a, a, a really good dad? And what's funny is had he asked me what it looked like to be a really good dad before I had kids, my answers would have been very different. Because before I had children, before I was a dad, in my mind, I was a great parent. In fact, I was the best parent around in my mind. Anybody else before you had kids? Because I would go into a store and I would see that crying little kid or be on an airplane and there's this kid that's just crying. And I'm like, come on, parents, handle that. What's wrong with you? Take care of that. And my kid wouldn't act that way. Like, there's no way. That's never going to happen. My kid is never going to throw a fit. And then I had kids. And right now I want to publicly apologize and repent for all the mocking that I've done of parents. Because they're all crazy. All kids are crazy. And now whenever I see a dad, you know, in a store or on a plane, he's got a kid that's crying and throwing a fit. I just kind of look at him like, bro, I got you. I got you. We exchange numbers, start a support group. It's awesome. It's awesome. But before I had kids, I was a great parent. Before I had teenagers, in my mind, I was a great parent. In fact, I used to be a youth pastor, and so parents would call me and say, Colby, could you please talk to my teenager? And of course, my answer was yes, because I had to. That was my job. But in my mind, I'm going, well, I wouldn't have to if you were doing your job at home. (laughs) And now about every other day, I'm calling our youth leaders. Would you please talk to my kids? They won't listen to me. They want Snapchat and TikTok and... We're asking them about all this kind of stuff. You know, they won't hug me anymore. So had my friend asked me for my advice, it would have been very different before I had children. In fact, before I had children, I would have said something like this. Well, you need to, you need to provide for them in a certain way. You need to train your child up in the way that they should go. You need to, you need to capitalize on teachable moments. That's what you need to do. I would have said that you need to be a light 
to guide them through the, the dark journey of life and, and be a, you know, a, a, a support for them. But after I had kids, my answer is very, very different. In fact, he said, what does it take to be a really good dad? And I said, you want to be a really good dad? He said, yeah, you know what I told him? I told him, in fact, I'll tell you in a second. Before, um, you know, early on, I have four boys. I have four boys. And I have pretty much coached every sport known to man. That's actually a lie. I really haven't. I felt like I have, though. Because they all want to try these different things all the time. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. But I have coached team sports of baseball and, and t-ball and some, some U5, like four- and five-year-old soccer. In fact, my wife and I both coached a U5 soccer team when my oldest son was on the team, you know, years and years ago. And, and I use that term coaching very loosely, all right, because it was like babysitting. We babysat 15 kids for an hour while they picked their nose and picked their butts and picked flowers, and their parents stood on the sideline and just watched us and just laughed at us, right? If you remember those days, which I'm doing that now with my youngest, Gray, who's four-year-old playing soccer. I'm just laughing at those coaches. I'm like, you guys suckers, suckers. <laughs> but I remember the first game that we played was against a team called, I think it was the Unicorns. I don't know. But one kid on the Unicorns, every time he got the ball, he scored. Every single time. He would dribble down the field and score. Looking back on it now, we should have checked his birth certificate. Because his parents said he was five, his armpit hair said he was 12. That's for real. But every time he got the ball, he'd score. And so during halftime, we huddle up the kids and we're like, boys, get over here. Come here, come here, come here. Number six is killing us. He's killing us. Every time he gets the ball, somebody needs to take him out. Somebody needs to slide tackle him, knock him on his butt. I promise you he won't do it again. And so I'm like, are you with me? Put your hands in here. Come on, shin kickers on three. One, two, three, shin kickers. And apparently the, not, I said shin. <laughs> apparently the ref heard me and he said, no, 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 kids, Coach Colby. This is non-contact youth soccer. You're not allowed to slide tackle. You're not allowed to take anybody. I'm like, oh, my bad, my bad, ref. I got you, I got you, I got you. He walked away. I'm like, kids, number six. <laughs> Get him. Get him. But I remember, I don't even know where I was going with this, but I remember um, imparting all my wisdom into these young children about soccer. In fact, with our goalkeeper specifically, I said, here's where you stand. Because often it was just these one-on-one -on -one little breakaways that happened in youth soccer. Like, here's where you stand. Here's when you come off your line. Here's how you cut off the angle to make sure you, you can get the ball. Here's how you throw it right. Here's how you, you kick it right. And I was just kind of explaining, imparting all my wisdom onto this young goalie. I think his name was Austin. I don't know, but that sounds like a young goalie name. And so I was giving him everything that I knew about how to be a really good goalkeeper. Really good goalkeeper. And then I said, man, if you just would, would do what I say then it, you're probably gonna go D1, maybe D2 when you get older, if you just, this little five-year-old, I'm like, you just gotta do what I say. Next game, sure enough, a breakaway happens. And I see this kid running towards our goal with the ball and I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. It's about to pay off. All this wisdom that I have given young Austin, right, is about to pay off. I can just see it now in my mind, what's going to happen. And the kid takes the ball all the way down the field and scores into an empty net. Goalie's not even there. He's gone. And we're looking around like, where's the, where's the goalie? Where's the goalie? What's going on? And now about that time, Austin comes running back onto the field. Like, where did you go? He's like, I had to go pee. In the middle of the game. 
And so I said, hold up, hold up, hold up, Austin. We need to back up, buddy. We need to rewind. I missed a step with you. I missed a very critical step. You know, before I share with you all the nuances of how to be a really good goalkeeper, of what you got to do when you got to come out of your, you know, off your line. And, you know, before I need to share all that, we missed a critical thing. And here's what it is. You got to first, you got to be there. You know what I told my friend who said, what, how can I be a really good dad? He says, you just got to be there. You got to be there. In fact, number one is this. You got to just show up. Hey, dads. You got to show up. You got to show up because here's what I believe. The God of the universe has already put inside of you everything that you need. If you will show up and try really hard, you're going to be a great dad. You're going to be a great mom. This is the reason why we don't come home from the hospital with, you know, an owner manual of this little blessing that God has given us. Is because we already have it inside of us. Let me, let me talk to all the struggling parents, and here's the reality. If you're a parent, you're struggling. I get it. In your mind, you play these head games, and so do I. Of, Man, am I ruining this child? Am I doing it right? No, you're not doing it right all the time. Did I get this wrong, or you know, have, I, have I you know, ruined them forever? Or I wish I could do that differently, all that stuff. Can I just tell you, whether you're a mom or a dad, single mom, single dad, a foster parent, adoptive parent, like, If you would just show up and try really hard, you're going to be an incredible parent. Again, because God's already put that inside of you. So number one, show up. Just show up. Here's the second thing that you got to do, and it's speak up. So show up, speak up. And I would say speak life into your children. Put that verse back up there again for me, verse 17. Let's take another look. It says, a voice from heaven said. So God spoke up over this amazing moment where his son is getting baptized. A voice from heaven said, this is my son. I love him and I am pleased with him. Notice he said, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I love you and I'm so proud of you. Do you know what I believe? Every child on this planet needs to be annoyed to death with those two statements. I love you. So proud of you. Come on, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, words kill or words give life. They are either poison or fruit, and guess what? You get to choose. Another version said there's power of life and death in our tongue. You get to choose. You can either speak life or delete life with the words that you use. Ephesians 4, 29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. You get to speak life, speak up to your children. There's a pastor I listen to. Many of you have probably heard of him. His name is Judah Smith. He's just this incredible communicator of God's word, literally goes all around the world, speaking to tens of thousands of people in these massive stadiums. And I, in fact, every time I listen to him, I get saved. So that's how amazing he is. Just, it's incredible. But I heard him talk about how most people on, on the planet have this fear of public speaking. A lot of people do. And how does he overcome this fear in order to preach God's word to tens of thousands of people all the time? He said, that comes from my dad. He said there was never a day in his life growing up that his dad didn't tell him two things over and over and over again. He said, number one, Judah, here's what you need to know. People like you. He said, people like you. 
And number two, people want to hear what you have to say. And so over and over his whole life, that's what he heard. People like you. People want to hear what you have to say. People like you. People want to hear what you have to say. People like you. They want to hear what you have to say. Judah said he heard it so much that he started to believe it. In fact, he started to believe it so much that he couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. He's like, I can't wait to hear it. It's got to be good. Parents, there's so much power in our words. So speak life into your children. And what that does, it gives them boldness. It gives them confidence. It gives them courage to do what God has laid on their heart for them to do. We should annoy them to death with I love yous and I'm proud of yous. Show up, speak up. Number three, give up. Give up. And there's two parts to this one. The first part applies to about half of us in this room. Because here's what I know in a room like this, there are so many of us, about half of us have gone through divorces or separations, maybe some, some family trauma, right, in this room. That's the reality of it. However, if you are in a situation where there's both a mom and a dad at home right now, like today, like pouring into you at home, then I don't want to neglect the fact that there are some that have that situation at home while I know a bunch of us don't. And so the first thing we got to, to give up, look at Ephesians 5.25, says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. And what did he do? He gave himself up for her. Write this down. Dads, let your kids see you love on their mama. Let them see you give up. Let them see you love her, take care of her. Do you know how much kids actually take in? and how much they absorb, how much they are aware of what's happening in the home. And let your kids watch you serve her. Let your kids watch you love her, sacrifice for her. Like give, give up. I was talking to a friend about this message this week, and this is what he told me. He said that growing up, they had all kinds of highs and lows in the family, and we all do. He said they all had all kinds of, they went through tough seasons in their family. He said, but, but no, and my dad would do things differently. In fact, he said that if, if you were to ask my dad, he would want to do so much differently. He said, truth be told, I wish he'd done different, some things differently as well. But he said, no matter what happened, no matter if they were arguing, no matter if my dad was gone, no matter if there was traveling, no matter what season they were in, he said, I always knew we were going to be okay because I always knew my dad loved my mom. You know how much strength that gives a family? You know how much confidence that gives a family and puts in, in your children? Like, it's huge. Ephesians 5 is not just a, a good foundation for how to build a strong marriage. It's a foundation for how to build a strong family. Dads, show them that you love their mom. And when our kids see that, man, it brings comfort and peace and confidence to a home like nothing else could provide. And what that does, it actually creates a launching pad for your children to get rocket off into the atmosphere, chasing after their dreams, full of confidence and courage in their life. So give up. Give up. Give up. Let them see you love. Let them see you humble yourself, submit, and serve their mama, and the other way we gotta give up, write this down, is to show them that you lean on your God. Amen. Let them see you lean on your God. Let them see you love on their mama. Let them see you lean on your God. It was the last summer that I took my boys camping in the Adirondacks. Can you throw up that picture? Here's my boys. 
This was during the pandemic time last July because we're thinking this is a safe thing to do, right? Get as far away from people, you know, as we can and we'll go backpacking. We camped like we went six miles in to the middle of nowhere in the Adirondacks and we landed at a place called Lake Colden and here's the lake. It's a beautiful lake. That's Colden Mountain up there on the, the right-hand side. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful setting. It took us literally with all of our packs, all of our equipment, like four hours or something like that, didn't it? Like to get there. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And when we got there, it was amazing. We started to set up camp. I'm like, this is awesome. We saw like, like three people as we were walking in. That's about it. In like six miles, it's crazy. There was nobody there. And so we started setting up camp and, and, and putting things out, setting up our tents, putting our stuff in the tents, getting ready for the night. We started boiling water because we had some ramen. My boys had never tasted ramen. They're about to eat some ramen. Let's go. <laughs> and they were excited about ramen. They're just pumped. And now they eat it like every day. So I don't know what that's about. But they were pumped about the ramen. And so we started boiling water. And as soon as we did, it's starting to get dusk. A huge black bear comes down the hill. Right towards our camp. This is the bear. I'm going to tell you about him in a second. He was massive. Everybody's like, well, black bears are small. Shut up. You weren't there. He was huge. <laughs> Eat your face off in a second. He was massive. And he came down this hill. And so we're, we're banging pots together. We're like stomping, like, yelling, hey, 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 you know, get out. Just whatever we can do. Like I had this flashlight that had this super bright beam and just shining it. The bear did not care at all. Didn't care. He walked straight up into the middle of the camp about 20 feet from us. So it's me and my three boys. My, my youngest is here at home. My three boys, their stuff is in their tents. Some are in their PJs. Like they're ready for the night. Like no shoes on. I'm backing them up. Backing them up as best I can. We had to go across a creek. Like because that's where we camped on the other side of this, this creek. And this bear just came right up into our tent and stayed there. And I backed them up along this bridge. We show that bridge? This is the bridge where that lake was, this Lake Colden Dam, and I backed them up to that ladder. And there are tears, there's crying, the bear wouldn't leave. He's going through all of our stuff, all of our food, and there's nobody around for miles and miles, literally, that's the way it felt. It's getting cold now, and I think it got down to about 34 degrees that night. All of our stuff was in the tents, so we're huddled up there, and I'm just crying out to God, God, I don't know what to do. Like seriously, my keys were there. Everything was there. It would have taken us four or five hours in the dark to get back to a car and I didn't even have keys for it. Like it was crazy. And we sat there on the end of that bridge up near that ladder in this, this crystal clear night, stars everywhere, begging God to give us wisdom, crying out to God to protect us, crying out to God to save us. I'm just, I'm literally terrified for my boys. In that moment, I believe he gave us wisdom. And so we, we went back on the trail and through the darkness on this trail, like we're just singing worship songs as loud as I can, trying to scare anything away that was close. Like in Jesus name, like peace be still. We're just singing it out, singing everything we can think of. Finally find this couple. If anybody was around for 500 miles, they heard us like screaming. Found this couple and they had a couple extra blankets in their tent, these wool blankets. They said they'd never packed them before, and so they did this time. And so, like, we huddled up these blankets. Me and her husband went back to the site to see if I could get anything, if the bear was gone by then. I mean, this was literally about a half an hour there and back to where we found somebody. And so we went back to the site, and the bear's still there. 
still there. He sees us like in the, in the dark or hears us make noise. He stomps, he hiss, he like charges at us. Like it is just, it's unbelievable. We go back to the, the lean-to where the, this other couple was and we stay there for the night and it's freezing cold, it's freezing cold. The next day we come up and, and we see all the camp in disarray and everything out and spread out everywhere and we're, we're cleaning up the camp. We look up the hill, stupid bear is still there. <laughs> For real. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. I didn't tell everybody this the last services. I figured this is the last one. We just, who knows what's going to happen. But we finally get all of our stuff and we go and hang it up. And we were going to stay another night. We went up, tried to climb up that mountain right there. And I called Kristen, let her know what happened because that's the only place I could get reception up on the mountain. Came back down. The, our bear bag was all ripped open and taken out. We're like, we're out of here. We're peacing out. We went to Lake Placid, stayed the night in a Holiday Inn. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Here's why I tell you that story. Because my hope is one day when my boys, they're backed up against a wall. And they don't know what to do. They don't know what direction to go. They don't know how to get to where they're going, my hope is that they will say, you know, when my dad didn't know what to do, you know what he did? He leaned on his God. And he sought the Lord. And he cried out to God. And so that's what I'm going to do. Dads, come on, you have a responsibility. Let them see you lean on your God. Let them see you lean on your God. So you gotta give up. You gotta give up. And here's the last one I wanna give you. Come on, help me shut this down. And that is to set up. So show up, speak up, give up, and set up. This is not just going to speak to the fathers in the room, but I think every parent in the room, in fact, every person, because I believe this is, is the way that God thinks about you right here and right now. Let's reread that last verse again. Verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Over and over, we know that Jesus would often seek a place of seclusion to talk to the Father. And we see that time and time again throughout the Bible. But there are two places in the scripture that the Bible lets us in on the conversation God had back to his son. And do you know, in both cases, God said the exact same thing to Jesus. This is my son. I love him. And I'm pleased with him. This is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. One is at the Mount of Transfiguration and the other one is here when Jesus is getting baptized. You're my child. I love you. I'm pleased with you. You know that God is pleased with you? And by the way, he's pleased with you not because of you. It's because of him, who he is. He can't help but be pleased with you. In fact, sometimes we'll say some bad theology. We'll th say things like, well, God loves you just the way that you are. And, and then while that sounds great, and I've said that over and over again, can I tell you something? That's not in the Bible. A more accurate way to put it would to be to say that, that God loves you just the way he is because his love for you has nothing to do with you. So if you're doing well, and that doesn't mean he loves you anymore. If you're doing you know, poorly and struggling, if you're the sinner of sinners, it doesn't mean he loves you any less. He cannot help but love you, not because of you, but because of who he is. 
And because he knows we need to hear that. And so here, Jesus got baptized. He's coming out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. A light's on him. God's voice is audibly heard by everybody there. And I don't think some people would say, well, that's so everybody could hear. No, it was so Jesus could hear the Father. So Jesus could hear him say, you're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Do you know every person on this planet needs three things? Acceptance, affirmation, and affection. And Jesus says, you're my son, acceptance. I love you, affection. I'm pleased with you, I'm proud of you, affirmation. And he told that to Jesus because remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man. And we can get a headache trying to figure that whole whole thing out. But the, the human side of him needed to hear that. And God didn't just tell him that for the moment, not because it was this incredible moment. He told him that to set him up for what was about to happen. Dads, you need to set your kids up for the temptation and the trials that are about to come because God's word is laid out in such a way for us and organized in such a way for us today where it's chapter and verse and chapter and verse and it's easy to to use as a resource and it's easy to identify where we are in it. It's easy to quick to turn to something. But originally it wasn't that way. Originally it was one fluid thought. And a lot of times I will do what you do. I'll read a chapter and then I'll close it and I'll put it away as if there was a dividing line there, but there's not. Because the very next verse, very next verse after he says, you're my son, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. To date, this would be the most difficult thing that Jesus would go through. And God said, I know you're about to go through it. I know you're about to face something. Our dads, we know our children are gonna go through tough times. We know what's in front of them. Moms, we know what's in front of them. One of the greatest things we can do is to set them up for success against the attacks of the enemy. Set them up. Set them up. Show up. Show up. Just be there. It's called the ministry of presence. I think God will work through you. If you just, you don't have to know all the answers. Just be there. Just be there. Show up, speak up, speak life. Man, it builds confidence. Give up, let them see you love on your mom. Let them see you lean on your God. Just just give it up to him, just serve. And then set them up for the conflict that's around the corner. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. God, I pray that today all around this room, God, we would understand your heart for us, that you love us unconditionally, not because of us, but because of who you are, that nothing we do can separate us from your love, that you are the epitome of love, you're just love. And so God, help us today learn from your example. Help us today learn from the words that you would speak to your one and only son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I'm I'm pleased with you. I pray that that would be what every person in this room or online watching here today, God, how much you love them, and care about them. And while we're praying right now, I pray a blessing for our fathers, God, that we would rise up, be men of God, the men that you've called us to be, 
to lead our homes, to honor our families, and God, to look to you. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe it's you're here today and you understand for the first time there's nothing that you could do to earn God's love. It's a free gift that he wants to give to you. Your part is to receive it. Your part is to accept the free gift. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, which we all are, God sent his son to die for us, to set us free from our sin. And so maybe today is the day you get set free from the penalty of sin because you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you today and you wanna make that decision to trust Jesus for salvation, would you right now, no one's looking around, would you just hold your hand up high? I think there's something about saying, God, here I am, I surrender to you. Yeah, yeah, online you can do the same thing. You can just click the button that says raise your hand. Let them know that God, today you want Jesus to pay for your sins. Awesome, you can put your hands down. We're gonna pray a prayer with you. The Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord with our lips and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. So right now, church, would you help pray with those around you that wanna make that decision and that profession of faith? Would you repeat after me? Jesus, today, I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your sacrifice. I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin. I confess you as Lord and as savior of my life. In Jesus name, amen, amen. Come on you guys, let's celebrate. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.